And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11, from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Confino. And at small forward, number 6, standing, well, sometimes because he prefers to sit, Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. Check out more podcasts from Global Story Network, like Surviving the Impossible, a cinematic podcast that follows the harrowing true story of Nick Yaris, a man who spent over 20 years on death row for a crime he did not commit. What could be worse than being sentenced to death for a crime you did not commit, knowing you put yourself there all because of a lie? To check out this incredible story, head to globalstorynetwork.com or search Surviving the Impossible wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inside Slam. This is Evan Goldback. We are recording this for the Global Story Network on the 13th of November. I can't believe we're in November at 5.42 Australian Eastern Standard Time. So if we're talking about things that uh, yeah aren't aging well, you know why. I've got the man himself, Steve Carfino, next to me. Uh, Steve, we've got a really big show coming up today. We're going to talk about... Load management. It annoys the hell out of me, that word load management. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and the Raptors, the top two in the East, even without Larry, even without Hayward. We're going to talk to Jerome Randall later in the podcast. And Steve, we've got a new segment for you. It's going to be called Steve's Rant. So I hope you're ready for that one. Yeah, I'm always ready. to. <laughs> I'm ready for that one every day. You're just a ranter? Uh, yeah. You know, when I'm in traffic, when I'm Dealing with, you know, my kids sometimes. And uh, yeah. Do the rants go up as you get older? Yeah, I'm far less tolerable as I get older. Okay. See, I, I'm not I'm not trying to peak too early right now because I you know, I got something that I gotta get off my chest. You gotta get something off your chest? All yeah. right. Well listen, let me let me play you something because I heard something today. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it for you guys right now. Teams are are asking each player to defend much more than they ever did, to play with more intensity on every possession, to do more things. It is not the same game that even Jordan that played. That is ridiculous. Which, no, it's which is what? Listen, that's I remember, a lie. I remember Pat Riley that's a lie. saying. I remember Pat Riley saying in the '90s that in the '80s we used to say. Who do you want to defend? And now in the 90s, we need to defend everyone. The defense, though you could get away with more back then, is more intense now than it used to be. Can I ask a Players question to you? Spend more energy now. Yes. Are you saying with a straight face on national television that players today play with more intensity and tenacity than they did back in the day? In the 80s yes. and 90s? Is There's that what you're saying? Let me stop it right there. That's Max Kellerman saying that today's NBA plays more defense than the guys in the 90s. Blasphemous, in my opinion. There are five good players out on the floor. You know, there are not your Kurt Rambuses. They're not your AC Greens. They're not your, you know, Bill Lambeers. There there are guys, there are five guys out on the floor that can stick to three. There are five guys out on the floor that can, you know, Jokic can put it on the floor and make a play. He's a great passer. He's a three-point shooter. Defenses have to stretch. You know what? Yeah, but these guys, they shoot 10 seconds into the shot clock. The game is so much. It's, yes, it's faster. I will, I will say that it is faster. 
but they're not playing as hard a defense. You're not doing that one-on-one lockdown defense that they were doing in the 80s and 90s when you played. You know, they're using 20 seconds of the shot clock. Now you you guys, they're running up and then just jacking up a three of the, you know, Jokic's and all these sort of guys. So where's the defense? Look at look how many points they're scoring each game, 120, 130 points. Where's the defense? Look how talented these guys are out on the floor. If you want to compare the NBL compared to the NBL now, not even close. I mean, you had maybe, if you were lucky, two good Australian players on each team. Now Australian players are in the NBA. Australian players are commanding massive dollars overseas that's, and massive dollars here. That's Teams, player development. That's that's a totally different thing. That's because okay. so much more money is going to in, into basketball these days than it was 20 years ago. Okay, let's talk about the Lakers. No, let's yeah, let's talk about the Lakers now and the Lakers when it was showtime. You had role players playing. You didn't even have to guard Jamal Wilkes. You know, he he had a slingshot for a jump shot out near the three-point line. He had a medium-range game. He didn't couldn't really – he wasn't really a finisher. He had to play off the back of Magic Johnson. You had role players. You have five guys now that are legit. Kentavio Caldwell Pope. Okay, he's <laughs> he's stealing a paycheck. <laughs> he's not. A, I mean, come yeah. on. Listen, Kyle Kuzma, the guy plays zero defense. He's a good offensive player. The guy plays zero defense. Okay, Danny Green. Danny Green is just an evolving. Is just an evolvement of like Brian Scott. Obviously, the game has evolved. The athletes are better, but. That you can't tell me that the, the, the tenacity is, of the, the, can't, the skill is better. They allowed like. It was practically assault when there was a foul in the 90s. I mean, that was no fun to watch compared to the basketball that is now. I mean, I'm talking about Kurt Rammus gets clotheslined by, I think it was Kevin McHale in I loved, that series. I love seeing that because he, he tried to get up and be a tough guy and then he still fell over. The bad boys. Oh, my. Those guys would be in prison for the fouls that they have if they played in the modern-day game. Now, you may be a fan of that type of basketball, and – and people like to hang their head on basketball was tougher in the 90s or NFL was tougher, you know. But, you know, there are guys with concussions that are, you know, that are shooting themselves. You know, the game has evolved and the game is 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 entertainment now. It's I agree. Not, guys I, aren't dying over it. I agree with you. The game is entertainment. I agree with you on that. The question was, do they play harder D today? The answer is no. They do not play harder defense now because it is entertainment. It is threes. It is dunks, and the rules have changed. So you can't, you that you don't, you won't get clothesline. You know, a you know a flagrant two now is a hard foul in the nineties. So you can't tell me that the defense is harder. You you can't tell me that you're not hearing anything that Max was saying. Max was saying yeah. that there are five guys out on the floor that you have to defend. The offense is different. You you know you didn't have to play the defense that you have to play now. Teams spread it out, and there is drive and dish, and five guys can put it on the floor, and you're guarding those guys from 35 feet out. Steph Curry, I mean, he's not the only one shooting those bombs. Damian Lillard, you have to guard those. You know, guys were walking into the three-point line back then. Larry Bird made as many threes as Steph Curry would make in one season. You have to guard these great players from 40 feet out. That's legitimate. You have to play defense. Unless you play for Houston and you're James (laughs) Harden, you are defending from a, a long way out, and you, there are a lot of players that are super dangerous and super talented, and the rosters are 
filled with guys that can come up with 40 on a night. And I don't think that was true in the 90s. I think it's a different game, like you said. I think that, yes, you may have to defend a bit further out, but look at this. Look how easily the guys get around in the paint. Look how easily the guys dunk because they know they're not going to get the hard foul. So, yes, you're defending harder out from the from the paint. That's when you, that's where you're defending. You got to be a better wing defender now than ever ever because that's where the guys can shoot from. But on the inside, it's a bit soft. That's that's just my opinion. Well, there's no inside game. There Let, is. Let's talk about one thing that we do agree on. Okay. All right. That's. But the, I like disagreeing. It's oh, good. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. But we're not going to agree on that one. So I don't even want to hear any more of your argument. <laughs> okay. How about the load? Management. Okay. Now, we we can definitely agree. Load management is bullshit. First, let's describe what it is. I think it is voluntary time off taken by a player because he's taken on too much of a load. Yeah, exactly. I know. Because, you know, I, I had to actually look it up because it, what popped into my head was something probably, you know, that we I, really shouldn't discuss. That's exactly <laughs> what popped into my mind as well. <laughs> but, it's like, is, is this what I think? <laughs> Are we going to talk about this? Well, Isn't this a family show? Yeah, this is a it, it's family matters. So basically what Max Kellerman was saying on uh, you know, our friends over at ESPN's first take is that load management is okay because they defend more. So that's that was actual. The, oh, really? That was the premise. No, I, I believe that the guys, they do defend, especially – in the playoffs. But that's, he's saying before, because they defend more, that is why load management is okay. Uh, before you go on load management, this is what I will say. And I agree totally with my, what Michael Jordan said. He goes, I pay you to play 82 games. If these guys want to play 65, 70 games, then take the money off. What the day, they, they should donate to charity every single game. Because you can work out how much, obviously, they get per game. It's you know, something ridiculous, probably 250000 300000 It's probably even more for someone that plays. That goes to charity every single time you don't play. Yeah, I believe LeBron James made like $6,000 a minute or some, or maybe a second. No, no, no. That's, 60, your, that's your contract. It was $62,000 a second. That's ridiculous. Not in every single day of... Yeah. of you know, but when he plays, when yeah, he plays, when on you know time on the clock, yeah. But that why not why not put that money to charity? And I also think you should not be able to win a end of season award, MVP, defensive player, whatever it may be, unless you play seventy games. What do you think? I like the first one. Okay, and I just you know I think that guys would be reluctant to take games off if it hurt their pocket. You know, especially when these guys are making such significant money. How about the fans? You know, those tickets aren't cheap. And you show up to a game and a guy's like, um, I'm worried about my load management. I'm going to take the night off. You know, that ticket is still 600 bucks. Doesn't matter whether you're watching. What's my man's name? Cornelius Pope. What was his name again? Contavio Caldwell Pope. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, KCP. KCP. If I paid six hundred, he eats a lot of KFC. That's if I watch. If I if I paid six hundred dollars to watch him play and step back and shoot an air ball, yeah, I'd be really upset. But you're right. Games are. I mean, I've been to a. I've been fortunate enough to go to a game in the U.S. Tickets aren't cheap. Last week, Kawhi Leonard, one of the best in the West, the Clippers. They're playing the. They're playing the Bucks. Like how, what a game that would be. And he takes the game off to go up. I mean, what kind of mentality is it that 
probably the top two MVP prospects. And one of them goes, listen, even though it, shouldn't you want to go up against the defending MVP, Giannis Anatokounmpo? Like, it's just crazy to me that that's the game. I mean, if you want to pick up, a, if you want to pick a game to, you know, to rest, you know, make it against Charlotte or make it against Phoenix or one of the teams that isn't doing well. But you, what does that say about? I mean, I want to play against the best. Surely Kawhi wants to take it to Giannis, and he didn't. And he that was the game he took off. I couldn't believe it. I don't think anybody can figure Kawhi Leonard out. That's true. As simple as that. But you know what? Let's let's make it hurt where these guys. Well, they'll feel it. You yeah. know, like if I take the day off, you know, I might lose, you know, two hundred bucks at the most. Okay, less than that. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'd be reluctant to take a day off if someone were like, I'm taking that money that I would really be reluctant. And I'm not on the crazy money that those guys are. So I think that if you voluntarily take the day off, then yeah, dock your pay. You know, work it out. How much do you get paid per game? Take the money away. I don't know where you're going to give it. But take the money Man, away. That money could go to such a good cause. You know, there's ch so many good charities can benefit from that. I mean, if it, your load management is that important to you, absolutely. Then take a sting in the pocket. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. You know what's really interesting to me? Uh, and, load, you know, we're at what? Load management. Load management, idiots. T uh, 10 games in. What a load of crap. They thought everyone thought it was going to be the Bucks and Philly, obviously, top of the East. And we've got Boston 1, Raptors 2. So they're 1-2. And the Raptors are doing it without Kyle Lowry because of Pascal Siakam. Mate, the guy is killing it. I got, like, He won most improved last year. The guy could probably win it again. He's carrying his team. Did you, did you see that game he played against the Lakers a few days ago? Oh, yeah. He went to work. He went to work? Yeah. How about the dude for the Warriors? Oh, D'Lo. Oh, man. He shot 50. Oh, no, 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 not him. The guy that came off the bench and had like 30. Oh, he had like, th yeah, the, uh, the, the rookie. Yeah. Yeah, the rookie. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's looking good. He's probably in the top five rookies of the league. So. Yeah, you know what? But, you know, that's my point. These guys are super talented. So what, what are you going to get with those teams that, you know, that are, are, aren't going to make a run for the championship is playing opportunity. And when Eric, you have Eric Pascal. Yes. Eric well, how yeah. do, I don't know how he's Eric Pashal. So that's how you say it. He looks good. Oh, yeah. He looks good. Looks fantastic. Looks good. And then, you know, the, you know, the Celtics, Hayward's gone down with a, a broken broken hand, but they look good. It's, is it the Kyrie effect? They just look like they were the year before when Kyrie didn't play. They just look like they're gelling. It's clicking on all cylinders. I, look, I like the look of them. That organization doesn't seem to matter who, who the coach is. That organization just seems, you know, when there's disharmony amongst the players, they don't seem to just be like a professional team that you get the talent and they perform. It's more like it's a Boston community. The the Boston fans get behind them, you know, just like the Patriots, you know, like those are diehard fans. And the, the teams that seem to play well are those teams that play for one another in that city. Gritty teams. Gritty teams that are doing it for – their fans, you know, in Boston, you know, they buy into the we are Boston against the world type of thing. Everybody hates us and and we'll stick together to do it. We'll stick together. We'll be racist. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. They, I heard Woo. back in the day, though. Back in the day. They were pretty racist. I'm not talking about just Bill Russell when he was the coach, how racist they were then. Yeah, there is a serious racial tension 
in Boston. And anybody that yeah. says different, they lived in a rich neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, th- um, you said something pretty funny because you're, listen, let's, let's be honest to the listeners. You're a little bit late to the recording today. You know, I know you're steady, you're stuck in traffic, but what, what were you saying that you, you, you were on? Black people time. Black people time. I can say that. All right. So I can't. I, I, ex- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can make jokes like that, but you can't. So just be quiet. There is just, you know, we can have a long, uncomfortable silence right here because basically white people can't say anything. Man, you see- guys are barred. You can't even have a joke about it. You know, like Bill Burr is one of my favorite comedians. Yeah. And he just hates political correctness. <laughs> and he's so on the money. He, you know, white people can't say anything. It's, it's about time you guys got put down, though. Well, stay down. I got my thumb on you. Hey, stay listen. Da- stay down. This is stay, not, this is not a political podcast. Stay down. That's next door. It's, you're still, you still have to be quiet here. <laughs> we it's, got 10 more seconds it's, when you can't say it's, anything. We, it's, I said something of racial. <laughs> you, it's the white guy in the room must be quiet. It's funny. Russell Peters is also a comedian. He's one of my favorite comedians. He says, listen, every ethnic group has white people convinced that they're racist. But like... Their ethnic groups themselves are the most racist. He goes, Indians actually hate each other. Oh, yeah. I lived in China. Chinese people hate you because of which city you live in. Oh, yeah. So he goes, I find it hilarious because white people just can't say anything. And then uh, you know who the most racist people are? Black people (laughs) against black people. (laughs) And I'm telling you what, if you're educated and rich and live in like a well to do area, like Carl, Ooh, like like man, uh, do you look down on your own people? Like Carlton, Ooh. Carlton from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why that show's so funny because it's so true. It is so <laughs> so funny the way he acts versus Will. You ever see the Jeffersons before that? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm moving a, on up okay. to the east side. I'm a little bit really. See, I, is that you a little too young for that? A little bit too young, but I, I was okay. fam- I was like Family Matters. Google it, Steve Urkel. Google it. Love Family Matters. Yeah, that was good. I know. Jefferson's. Jefferson's. It's a spinoff from um, All in the Family, Archie Bunker. Now I'm really going back. Is that like, like the, the same, 70s? Is that the, the 70s. Like the Love Boat? Is that the same yeah. time? Uh, you know, it's Gil- probably before the Love Boat. Gilligan's Island? <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, right around we're, this. We're, no, it's after C- Gilligan's Casablanca. Island. Casablanca. Okay, we're losing. <laughs> I'm, I can just feel our viewers just <laughs> dropping off. <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. Somebody's calling in. Jerome Randall from the Adelaide 36 is calling. Let's have a quick chat. What's up, Jerome? I'm good, man. Yourself? Thank yeah, you for having me on the show. Really good, man. Really appreciate you dropping into the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, um, yeah, I just want to welcome welcome you back in the league. You know, I've seen a lot of players here, and I have called you on a couple of occasions the most exciting player that has been here. And, you know, I, I've caught some criticism for it, but then you make a couple of moves in a game, and people are like shaking their head like, uh, hey, yeah, yeah, you got a point. <laughs> That's cool. To, I mean, just to be – one of the exciting players, you know, to come come through there, man. That's that's definitely, you know, something to be proud of. But, you know, I would like to be named as one of the one of the best that ever come through here. But it's a lot of things I gotta, you know, do before that happens, you know. What's uh what's your point to prove this year, Jerome? I mean, yeah, obviously you had a, you know, really good season last year with the Kings. What's uh what are you looking to prove this year? Because for me, you don't have to prove anything. You've been an incredible player in the league. And, you know, you've got all the skills, you know, incredible point guard. But what are you trying to prove? Honestly, I don't have anything to prove to anyone, not even to myself. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. 
Um, you know, you just look at, you know, the the greatest point guards that ever played a game. You know, you got uh, John Stockton. Like, he never won a championship, but he's still named, you know, one of the greatest to ever play. You know, and I'm not saying that's not going to happen for me. Well, it's going to happen for me, you know, because I'm, I'm going to keep going until, you know, that championship happens, you know. But I'm just keep playing hard, man. Just want to be remembered as, you know, a tough dude, you know, to just come and play, you know, play hard each and every night and, you know, just bring excitement to the crowd. So. I don't really need to prove anything to no. I like that. I like it. You definitely don't. You definitely don't have to prove anything to us. That's for sure. Well, I'm an avid follower of you on on social media on your Instagram account, and um, you know some of the things that I see on there. How does that make you feel when guys like Patrick Beverly are just shaking their head and saying, you know, one of the best ball players in the world? You just bring it every time. You know that that must that that respect from somebody of that caliber on the defensive end of the floor. Must uh, must be pretty special. It's special. Um, it's, it's even more special knowing that you know he he is you know well respected around the world for his hard work and everything he put in. Uh, you know, just to know that you know he worked hard to get to the point where he is right now, and still showing someone like me love who's playing you know on the other side of the world. You know that's that's special to me. So you know he's I mean he's a different type of guy, man. He you can't make him like him. You know, he's he's one of a kind to me, man, because it doesn't matter, you know, how big he is in his in his in his career, you know, he's gonna always show love to people who's putting their hard work. And that's what I respect most about him. Absolutely. That, yeah, they, they definitely don't make him like Patrick Beverly. He's one of a kind. Jerome, I saw recently you changed your number to twenty four. Um, was there anything special behind that? Was it a Kobe thing? Because obviously Kobe switched to twenty four, was it or was it something else? Uh honestly. Um, I couldn't get my number, my last, my old number back, which okay. I wanted. I wanted that because I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of great things here in, uh, in Adelaide, and I wore number three and number nine. You know, so I wanted either one of those numbers. So I picked twenty-four because that was the day my daughter was born. Oh wow! You know, so yeah, I picked number twenty-four because she was born on May twenty-fourth. You know, so I picked number twenty-four for her. I like that. Yeah, she is extremely yeah. cute. If anybody wants to, you know, get a get a glance at her, she's uh, always starring on Jerome's uh, social media on Instagram. Um, speaking of that, with a young family, you know, traveling around the world, uh, you and your beautiful wife and your beautiful daughter. Uh, what's been the toughest city to play in? Toughest city to play in around Australia? Uh the... no, like around the world. The toughest, the, the toughest on your family. Oh, the toughest on my family. Um, honestly, nothing is never, it's it's not tough, man, because my wife does a great job in making it, you know, like, feel like a home, you know, so no matter how difficult a situation might be, you know, as far as like the language barriers and things like that, she's going to figure out a way to make, you know, the home that we live in, like, feel like, you know, you know, back home, you know, as far as like food and just if, whatever it is, games. Whatever we got to do to have fun, you know, she makes sure that no matter what I'm doing, when I got to go to work, when I come home, you know, it, it feels like, you know, I'm not missing a beat. Like, you know, I'm back home, I'm having a good time. So we really don't have any breakoffs, man. It's just, you know, just enjoying the culture, the different type of cultures around the world, you know, meeting new people. You know, we met a lot of great friends just by playing basketball and traveling the world. So you know, I'm, I'm really blessed about that. That's that's literally one of the best answers I've heard, and man, it's, it's you know that's quite inspiring to hear. So, 
Matt, very happy for you and your family. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to feel that way in, in every country that you've been in. Um, I wanted to ask you, so obviously, you, you know, you've played in the NBL for a number of years now. As a fan, which is obviously what I am and a media personality, I can see, I've been able to see the level of NBL kind of go up from an outsider's point of view. Can you feel that from a year-to-year basis about the intensity and, and the, the level of skill that is going into the NBL now? Yes, I definitely can. Uh, from the first day I stepped foot on the NBL you know, uh, court, you know, I saw the growth from then to now. Uh, I would like to think I played a big part in it. Um, you know, a lot of guys were calling me, you know, asking me about the league, you know, because I was real timid to come in. You know, hearing stories like uh, you go to Australia when you like on your last leg and just want to enjoy life. You know, I was in a situation where things was just up and down in Europe and I didn't want to go back and turn down a large amount of money to come here for a short amount of money just for a change. And it ended up being the best decision that I ever made, you know, my basketball career. You know, just coming here and now being able to, like, do things off the court with kids and clinics and things like that. But, you know, seeing a league right now, you know, it's, it's just a totally different level. Getting NBA games and just the quality players that's coming here, man, like, it's been amazing. So, you know, I'm happy for the league and happy, you know, of, you know, the route that it's going. And I'm sure, you know, the sky's the limit moving forward. Before we get into, you know, some of our favorite moves that we've seen of yours and, and we want to ask you about your opinion on some of them. Um, you know, with Adelaide, you know, not in like the top four right now, what are your goals to try? And I mean, you're, you're still, you're still a nightmare to guard and a, and a matchup problem. And, and pretty much um, defenses, defenses are designed to try and slow you down. But, you know, what are your goals to try and help Adelaide, you know, back into that position for a playoff spot? Well, I think everybody's, it's always some panic. You know, thing yeah. when you know guys start off bad. You know, everybody want to panic, but you know it's a long season. I mean, you know, California, you've been around this league, you know, ever since I've been here. And usually, the guys that start great, they don't finish too well. And I'm not saying it's gonna be the the same thing, you know, this year. You know, I think Sydney's playing great basketball. It's a lot of people, you know, started off really bad, and you know, and now they start playing good basketball. You best believe that Adelaide is gonna find their niche. Like, we're gonna figure it out, like how to win basketball games in a good fashion. You know, just right now, we're just trying to figure each other out. You're losing games, you know, by a large margin. And that, you know, that right there, to me, to me, that's a good sign because you know, we know it's, it's more than basketball. Like, we have to figure this thing out. You know, and once we figure it out, I think we're going to be on a different level, you know. So, and it's up to me, you know, anytime things are going bad, I look at myself first because I'm the leader of the team. You know, I came, you know, a little later. You know, where they already had built chemistry, and I'm still trying to figure figure those things out. So I'm not panicking. Um, my coaches is not panicking. Players not panicking. So you know, we're just gonna keep working until this thing um, is figured out. Is it any easier the fact that you know you did something very similar when when the, you guys won the minor premiership? You know, you guys started off slow, and then you know that team that you had that um, you ended up losing. Uh, a surprise loss to to Illawarra to Wollongong, mm. um, but that team you had them absolutely rolling like that was an attack team that you attacked on the defensive end of the floor you attacked on made baskets uh, nobody wanted to run up against you but that team started slow too. 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. Um, and, and just like I said, like, you know, guys just get to a point where they're like, okay, our back's against the wall. Let's get let's get at it, man. And, you know, it was different because I played, you know, with those guys. And, and I, um, like, we groomed each other basically to be, you know, the team that we were, you know, that second year I won MVP. And we just knew each other. Everybody knew their roles. Everybody knew, you know, who was going to, you know, be the guy taking most of the shots, who was going to be the dude. Cricky was the guy that was – doing a dirty work you know we had eric jacobson setting great screens rolling to the basket you know um man Sobe was doing what he was doing so everybody knew they role and no one really cared about it you know so i think we just understood you know who we were at the time and i think a little bit of inexperience that kicked in in the playoffs and uh we fell short but you know you live and learn but you appreciate those times because you look back and like okay i don't want to feel that again so we have to get to that point, and I think we have enough, you know, enough uh, leadership ability to, to get through those tough times. Absolutely. Well, I mean, listen, you guys aren't that far outside, you know, the top four. It's only a couple of games. We've got a long season ahead. Um, you know, you, you've made a lot of defenders look bad over your career. I just want to ask you, um, is there one moment in your mind against a particular defender or in a, in a big game moment where – it's just etched in your memory where you went to your signature move or is there a, is there a move that you just always remember as in, damn, I really made that guy look bad or, you know, is there a game or just a moment where, you know, you, you really shone and made someone look horrendous. <laughs> you know, you know, it's crazy. Um, a lot of moves that I do that, you know, make people probably stumble or fall. It's not nothing I practice. It's more instinct. You know, it's a lot of moves I do because I'm just reading the defense. I guess just having, you know, good ball handling ability, that, that happens with a lot of great ball handlers. You know, it's not moves that you just you practice on every day. Like, you you need to practice on your handle, like handling basketball and, and knowing how to react, you know, to the defender. And I think those are the best moves when you don't know, like, damn, I never did that move before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it happened. It worked because, you know, my ability to create, you know, is the reason why I was able to get out of that defensive, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pressure and things like that. So who, I appreciate those moves more than, you know, a move that I, I worked on. Who do you think, I've, this is a question that I, I ask a lot of people, who do you think has the best handles in the NBA? In the NBA, I would say me, Kyrie Irving. Are we saying handles, Kyrie Irving? Okay. I have to definitely go Kyrie. The people, yeah, because of the, all the you know, the counter moves that he's able to put together. But if I have to say, like, it, the best handles would just get it done, and it's just so, like, I mean, like, the best. It's just getting a shot, getting to your spot, your, your spots. It will have to be Kemba Walker. Wow. Like, he, he doesn't waste dribbles. Yeah. Wow, okay. He doesn't waste any type of dribble. Any, everything he does, like, he knows exactly why he's doing it, and he's not going to dribble ten times to get it done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're talking about, you know, you don't practice those moves, I want to, I want to bring up a move. I'm gonna describe it, and you tell me if you remember it. And I, I don't know if you're gonna remember it. You, you've got so many great moves. You're playing in Sydney. You're playing against the Brisbane Bullets, and Ruben Tarangi switched up on you. You go behind the back, behind the back. You go behind the back from left to right, and then behind the back from right to left. Hezzy at about the block, 
and he jumps in the air on your you know, on your footwork, and then you just take one dribble and reverse layup on the other side. Do you remember that one? I remember it went viral. That's not a like seriously like I, that's not an actual move that I was just going to, in a gym and work on. That was literally a reaction. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah. have to, you know, that's what I try to teach the kids that I train. You know, like you have to know how to handle the ball in any any type of situation and get out of that gym. And that literally was a reaction. I never worked on anything like that before in my life, actually, you know, and it just happened. I've never done that move before. You know, it was just something that I was reading, you know, what he was giving me. I would like to send that move to, I follow this, this guy named, I think his name is Filet, and he does the commentary. You know, he does yeah. the Kyrie Irving one. It was like, tween, yeah. tween, behind the back, <laughs> hand carry, <laughs> let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to hear him yeah. describe that move, that's for sure. And also that guy that uh, he does everybody's he mimics everybody's moves on the internet. He does like the Kobe's and the Hardens and the, the all those step backs. I think that doing that for a Jerome, I think that would be really cool to really cool to watch as well. But yeah, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> hey, listen, Jerome, we um, we really appreciate you coming on Inside Slam. You know, we, hopefully, um, you know, you can become a friend of the show and we, and we can have you on again. From from everybody here at the show, we you know we wish you all the best. Uh, for this season, you know, all your teammates, uh, hopefully, you know, you guys can crack that top four and, and we can see you guys in the playoffs. Yeah, man, that's the plan. So we're just going to keep working, not worry about what nobody else is saying. Um, you know, critics are critics, you know, but most important thing is us just figuring out what we have to do for ourselves and play the best basketball. If we fall short, you know, we're going down blazing, you know, not just giving up. So and that's, that's that's our plan. Yeah, looking forward to, to watching you to fight and uh, to show that leadership that you always show. All right. Welcome back to the league, man. Thanks, Jerome. Appreciate it, man. Just want to say a quick thank you to our friends at manofmany.com, Australia's best men's lifestyle site for all the latest products, culture, style, shopping, sports. There's just so much on that site. We get a lot of our content from that website. So make sure you check out manofmany.com. It's an absolute winner. Steve, that was a great chat with Jerome. He's a lot of insights. So what I thought was really interesting was obviously that part, you know, he was talking about his family because, uh, you know, most guys would have just said, oh, yeah, this is the city. But he actually had a, th- thought, you know, a real good think about it and said, well, you know what, I've got a great family. And, you know, that was actually quite inspiring to listen to, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, he's a super interesting guy. He was, a, he was the, the pack. Back ten, pack ten, pack twelve. No, it's pack ten. Pack ten player of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like those are guys like Jason Kidd was pack ten player of the year. There's some great players that have been pack ten player of the year, and he's one of them. Um, and I think he's a he's a very private guy, you know. So it was a real treat for for us to to listen to him. You know, I have I've had the pleasure of having conversations with him, and he's he's serious in a conversation, but he's super interesting. So I thought he'd be a great guest. Yeah, he was great. He was really good to have on the show. Well, Steve, I think uh, I think that kind of wraps it up for today. That was a really nice, short, sharp, lots of energy show. Let's let's keep it rolling. Let's yeah. just keep it rolling. I feel like I can go for like two or three hours, but I'm I'm going to go to the gym and burn off that energy. You know, when we first started doing the show, I just thought, oh, you know, probably be more interesting if we didn't agree on a lot of things. But you know, I'm finding that the more I get to know you, the more I disagree with you on a lot of things. It's just coming naturally. Like what? Like you know, the fact that you think the '90s where they played more D than they 
they do in today's game. Well, they do. You know. let's, let's just be honest. Okay. I'm going gonna, gonna to wrap up the show. <laughs> you've, you've, you've said enough today. Uh, to everybody listening, uh, make sure you check out Inside Slam on Instagram because, uh, you know, there's going to be lots of content that we're going to continue to post. Also, make sure you follow Global Story Network, both on Twitter, Instagram, and go to globalstorynetwork.com for Inside Slam, which is us, and a whole bunch of amazing other podcasts. And I will be back to argue and win again next week with Steve. See you later.